Lays it across. Shot by All right, everybody, welcome back to episode two of the Fire and Ice podcast. Last episode, we just kind of talked about the additions that the Devils made and what they look like heading into the upcoming season, which, again, labeled the off-season winners, which is fine in hindsight, and that's okay. As fans, we can enjoy that, but at the same time, that has to translate to on-ice success. And we were not the only team in the Metropolitan Division to make additions. Uh, Plenty of other teams within the division, even the teams that made the playoffs, made additions. No one really stood pat. And this episode, we're just going to kind of take a dive into what the rest of the division did and how the Devils stack up to those teams that made additions, and is the play also likely outcome for the Devils? It really all just depends, but how do the Devils stack up? And what I'm going to do is briefly break down what each team in the division did, and then kind of follow that up with how the Devils stack up to those teams within the division. First, I'm going to start with the Carolina Hurricanes. They finished with the second-best record in the Eastern Conference and won the Metropolitan Division. Uh, This was a team that was highly regarded as cup favorites last year. And unfortunately, that fell short, losing to the Rangers in Game 7 at home. Uh, The biggest downfall for the Hurricanes in that past year was pretty much just lack of depth. It went quiet in the playoffs and just lack of offense. So what did they do? despite losing Nino Niederreiter, which will actually hurt, but also the loss of Vincent Trocek. They had big subtractions, but they also had big additions. They went out and got Max Pacioretty, which was basically a cap dump for the Vegas Golden Knights. The unfortunate news is Pacioretty's out until February with an Achilles heel injury. He can come back, he most likely will come back, and he will be ready for the playoffs. But the team is still a little short on offense, but Pacioretty is a premier sniper in this league, and he's scored 30 goals five times. Or more. They also went out and got Brent Burns. Brent Burns is the uh, is the replacement for Tony D'Angelo. They went ahead and traded Tony D'Angelo. We'll get to that later. But they have Brent Burns. Brent Burns is, he doesn't have to come in and be the guy. He just gets to be a guy. But the guy is solid on both ends of the ice, and... He's kind of that offensive defenseman that they need. He's better than D'Angelo. And with the defensive structure that the team already has, he pretty much he pretty much will fit that and he'll be playing next to Jacob Slavin, who's arguably one of the most underrated blue liners in the NHL. Fallen stayed the same. They didn't really do much. They lost Niederreiter, they lost Trocheck. So it kind of opens the door for guys like Martin Natchez and Kakanyemi. So overall, the offense just kind of stays the same while the defense got better. Goaltending is the same. So other than the two big names of Pacioretty and Brent Burns, they added Andre Kasha. Kasha can essentially be the replacement for Niederreiter, but all depends on his health. So overall, that's all the Hurricanes did. I expect the Hurricanes to pretty much win the Metropolitan Division. 
but they will definitely be facing competition for that crown. The New York Rangers, they made some big deals at the deadline, and some of those players are gone. Uh, Cop wasn't a bad addition at the deadline, but he is. He signed a bigger deal with the Detroit Red Wings. Frank Marchano is probably my favorite addition they had. He caught fire playing on the top line with Sebastian and Kreider. Uh, he was fun to watch in the playoffs, just kind of the way he plays his game, but he's out the door too. He's now with the Anaheim Ducks. On the back end, things pretty much stayed the same. They didn't really add back there. Drew didn't really have a lot of cap space to work with. But what did he do? Ron Strom's gone. He replaced him with Vincent Trocek. Seven-year deal. He's locked in. He is, without question, the team's number two center. And it fits the trajectory of where the Rangers are at in terms of where their, where their contention status is. And it works. He's played under Gallant before. He's made it very known that he enjoys playing under Gallant. That was his favorite coach that he ever played with. So, arguably, the Rangers got better at the 2C department. And they gave Kapokanko a two-year bridge deal. And they're just going to kind of see how that pans out. The money wasn't enough to go around to make any other big decisions. There were plenty of other names that they were involved in. But at this point, you're basically giving the keys and the reins to younger guys like Kako, Lafreniere, who really displayed his two-underfoot game in the playoffs and started to look more comfortable as things went on. So appeal will probably get a bigger crack at things. You'll see on the back end more more from Braden Schneider. Brandon Schneider, however, he's, however his first name is. Kids young, showed some promise on the back end. And Jacob Trub is now your captain. So everything sort of walked into place. They did trade Georgiev, and they brought in Halak. Halak comes with a little bit more veteran experience, so it's just some someone to give a breather to Igor Shostakovich. Uh, where do I see the Rangers? Uh, the Devils played them arguably well throughout the year. And, I, again, I see the Rangers probably making it to the top of the division as well, which is pretty much led by their goaltender. And last year that was the case. Goaltending, power play, uh, big boys came up big. Will it happen again remains to be seen, but I don't see the Rangers necessarily going away quietly. I don't think this team gets enough credit where they should. And first things first, they, the Pittsburgh Penguins just came out that they they signed Mike Sullivan to a three-year contract extension. Without him, I mean, he kept that team in water this past year. They had so many injuries and wasn't funny. Team still finished below 100 points and made the postseason. Ron Hextall deserves all the credit in the world. He brought everybody back on... Fairly team-friendly contracts. Some term was given out that was a little bit longer than what you'd expect, but he kept the band together. Crosby, Balkan, Latang brought that captain, brought that band. Heinen went ahead and signed Raquel. He swung a deal. He kind of had to upgrade the back end, brought in Jeff Petrie. Um, he traded John Marino to the New Jersey Devils, which actually works out more for the Devils. But they did take on Ty Smith, and for some reason I have a feeling Mike Sullivan's going to tap into that potential, but the Devils also arguably get better on the back end with Marino over Smith. Pittsburgh is one of those teams that just doesn't go away. They're older, sure, but guess what? 
those players that are older, they're still playing at a high level. And for some reason, people are probably sleeping on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I am not. And I think they'll probably finish anywhere between second and third. Overall, they're not a team that's going to go away. They're going to be very, very, very well and present within the Eastern Conference, let alone the Metropolitan Division. Um, people forget, sure, if Malkin gets hurt, injury-prone player. He was a point-per-game player when he came back. And Pittsburgh's just not going to go away. And to me, those are the top-tier teams in the East. And now we're kind of going towards the bottom of the division a little bit. And there's three teams, or four teams rather, that you can kind of see the Devils kind of match up maybe a little bit better against. They can kind of surpass them, like, for example, the Washington Capitals. Okay, Nicholas Backstrom is down with injury. He's probably not going to play. And they didn't really do much other than upgrade the goaltender. They brought in Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper is probably going to try and come in and win them a bunch of games. Um, Ovechkin's still playing at a high level. They have a bunch of veterans on that team that are still the core part of the group. But Washington's getting older, and my guess is they take a back seat. And then we kind of move on to Columbus. And Columbus is one of the teams that always hangs around. They're not like elite. They're not going to wow you on the score sheet. They're not going to pretty much make headlines. But they did make headlines in terms of bringing Johnny Gaudreau. They signed Patrick Laine. They have Jacob Voracek. They got some young centers down the middle. Not elite yet, but they have some talent there. And this team just finds a way to be competitive. They just find a way to hang around. And they find a way to make your life hard. They did have to lose... Oliver Borkstrand to the Seattle Kraken just to fit Gaudreau and Lyman under under the cap, which is unfortunate because that dude is a sniper and he's made the devil's life hell. But all in all, this is a team that the devils can probably surpass. They can be better than. But Columbus is not going to go away quietly this year. I mean, I, I think they'll be a lot more competitive. They've shown that. They were... They weren't anywhere near close to the wild card, but they were up there on the horizon, on the outside looking in with 80-plus points. And then you have two teams left that I think the Devils are without a doubt better than, and we'll just kind of get in more detail afterwards. But you have the New York Islanders. The Islanders are probably the oldest team in the league. Lou Lamorello did literally nothing. Okay, he brought in Romanov at the draft. Finally signed him, signed Dobson. But you whiffed on every need that you needed. You didn't get a center, you didn't get a winger. It works out for the Devils, obviously, but the Islanders didn't really take any steps forward, especially the year they had last year. So unless Lamborellas are really just sitting there and saying, okay, we just had a bad year, let's just regroup, get it together, and move forward. Okay. And then just the, the fly is, I don't there's nothing to say about them other than the fact that they had such a brutal year, it puts them in such a weird spot. They were injury played. The goaltending was iffy at best. They did they were bottom at categories in all of them. Power play, penalty kill, goals four, goals against, just averaging goals per game and then averaging goals against per game. They were just 
If they could be bad at everything, they were. And it was just an odd year in, in all aspects. Uh, they were probably the favorites to get Gaudreau at one point, but they couldn't move the cap, so it just was a lost cause. But then you bring in Nick DeLaurier, and you're like, oh, guys like him, they, they don't come around that often. Okay, well, that, that's... It's silly to say that. They did bring in Tony D'Angelo, so it does upgrade the back end a little bit considering how good he is offensively. But I don't see the Flyers coming out of the basement anytime soon. The only thing they might be better as as a team is because John Tortorella is your head coach, and he's not going to tolerate that, and he's going to get the Flyers to play basic hockey and simply just being a better overall group doing the little things. Getting back to the basics and the fundamentals. They're still arguably a basement team in the in the division, let alone the conference. But time will tell. So now looking at all these additions, where do the Devils finish all this? Let alone a playoff spot. So Based on the additions the Devils made, which they upgraded in every area of the ice, they got better at forward, they got better on the back end, and they got better in net. So, with the division, I, I don't think the Devils are going to win it, obviously, but I think they will be better uh, overall as a team, which will obviously make them climb higher in the standings. I don't see them being a basement team, They'll play. They'll play competitively against their division rivals, but I don't see them necessarily winning it. Um, so the Carolina Hurricanes are probably going to win the Metropolitan. Can the Devils compete with them? Sure, but they may not be better than them. Same with the Rangers and Pittsburgh. I think they have that extra step on New Jersey, but I really do see the Devils coming in fourth place in the division, and I see them also stacking up well. Fighting for third place, um, they might they if if they can continue the level of offense they have because that was not an issue. Offense was not a problem for the New Jersey Devils. They had no problem scoring goals. Their problems were defending and goaltending. If they can get at least average goaltending, subpar average goaltending, something to just keep the team afloat to give them a chance to win while the offense does their work. There should be no problem. I think on a talent level, they are better than the Flyers. They are better than the Islanders. And I honestly want to say they are better than both Washington and Columbus. I, I think Washington's old, and they're going to take a step back. I think the Devils, even though they missed out on Goudreau, I don't think Goudreau takes Columbus to a more superior level than New Jersey. I think New Jersey has a better outlook in all three areas of the ice compared to that team. The Flyers, forget it. Uh, that, that That's a basement team. And the Devils will easily surpass them. Same with the Islanders. They're just old. Same with Washington. I think they're old. Even though they got Ovechkin and they're led, there's, Washington's just going to take a step back. And I can see the Devils, if they, if they, if they play the way they need to, it's going to take some hovering, but I really do think they can finish in fourth place in the division with at least 90 points. 
Is that a bold take? It might be. But why not? They're going to be better coached for once. For, for once, that, that's an improvement alone. Burnett's going to run the power play, which that that will be a million times better than what Mark Reckie ran it. And I love Mark Reckie. Sergey Breland comes in, and he's worked a little bit with Sharon Govich, and you saw Sharon Govich kind of take his game to the next level in the second half of the season. And then they bring in McGill, who also helped run the penalty kill a little bit. Now, despite them being kind of down to the penalty kill, middle of the pack team, it'll improve the Devils in that area too. And if Vanacek can come in and just play the same level he did, and he had one of the better save percentages at 5 on 5 in the league. Some people don't know that. But if the Devils get the right goaltending, why can't they challenge for that fourth spot in the division and how they stack up? Are they among the elites in the top-tier contenders? Maybe not yet. Still a young team, still trying to take that next step forward. But with the, with the additions that they made, no reason to see why they can't stack up and finish past some of those other teams in the division. And if I had to actually rent the division right now, it's going to be Carolina at the top. I'd say the Rangers finish in second. Pittsburgh finishes in third. And the Devils are right there at fourth. They finish past Washington, Columbus, the Islanders, and the Flyers. That is my prediction. And I think the Devils really do stack up well. I think, honestly, if they got better goaltending last year and they played better team defense and had some structure, which they completely lacked, and you saw that in all assets of the ice, they probably could have hung around the same maybe point totals as the Islanders and Columbus last year. And it could have been right there. But because of the goaltending, because of the defense, they fell flat. And the Devils had a lot of important assets to their game last year. It just didn't it just didn't come together. But I think with the additions made, they'll be a better team. And they'll stack up better in the Metropolitan Division. They may not be up with the elite of the elite, but they're going to be up there. They're not going to finish in the basement again. They're not going to be down at the bottom like the Flyers. They're not going to pick second in the lottery. But this is a team that's going to take the strides. And that is where I think the Devils really do stack up in the division compared to what other people added. I mean, they might not have got the flashiest name, but they added and they improved. Sometimes it's not about the flashy name. It's about the impact that that player will make on the ice. It doesn't have to be the best player, but it has to be the right player. And I think the Devils did that. And they will stack up. And it's going to be really exciting to watch. And it's going to be a really good season. And I, I'm actually very optimistic that the Devils can hang with the best of the best in the division. And I really do think they'll finish in fourth place and they'll challenge for that wild card spot. The Atlantic is tough too. Uh, a lot of those teams got better as well. Such as Ottawa, Detroit. Uh, you got the Bruins who brought back some veterans and they're just going to run it back as well. But even then, I still think the Devils surpass even Detroit and Ottawa. Um, Detroit might be in a little bit of a better spot than Ottawa, but 
if it came down to a wild card, I, I really do think the Devils will surpass both of them. Um, I know it's easy for people to sleep on New Jersey because they finished so bad and they drafted high yet again. But with better coaching and getting some areas of improvement that are needed, they, they can stack up with the rest of the division. And, and I do believe that they will finish in fourth place. And now that we've just kind of covered that and touched on that for the Metropolitan Division, we're just going to get into some other hockey news. And Dallas Stars only really dropped the ball here. Um, their owner, Tom Gaglardi, got on the Cannon Strip podcast. And if, if no one really understands the situation right now, it's you have you have Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger not signed. Okay, well the season starts. Preseason's coming around the corner and the season starts in October. You're getting to that month. You still don't have your two best players signed. That's your best scoring forward, and that is your starting goalie. So here's the quote that he laid out, and you, you can take it however you want to. Um, he said, a kid in the third year of his entry level puts up 40 goals, and now he wants to make $7 million. If you want term with that player, he'll take you higher than that. Okay, I'm not completely sure what to make of that quote, but let's just put it this way. Um, it's it's sort of the trend that's going on around the league. And I'll, I'll, give, I'll give two examples for this, first of all. So, our beloved New Jersey Devils did the same thing. Okay, well, Hughes, you saw the potential in Hughes. You saw his game grow every year. He, yes, Hughes struggled his rookie year. Okay, not every kid is Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. It's just not the case. That's just the way it is. But Hughes has gotten better every single year, and they gave him an eight-year contract making $8 million a year. Okay, well, you look back in four years, that deal is going to be insanely worth it. It's just they see the potential, and they, they, make, they, they just made the deal. Okay, now you look at what the Buffalo Sabres just did. They signed Tage Thompson to a seven-year deal, $50 million throughout the seven years. Okay. If you look at the stats, Robertson has put up more points than Thompson has in a shorter period of time. And Thompson's going to be making a hair over seven million. It's just kind of what what they're doing. It's not it's not like a prove it system anymore. Like like you are proving it in your entry level contract to earn the bigger payday. But it's not like veterans who have been playing for eight years, they just throw them the bag. I mean, it's just not how it necessarily is. And it's kind of the point where, if you, like, if you're Robertson, you've seen Thompson make that seven, seven million, and you, Robertson's arguably better, and he's arguably Dallas's best forward. I mean, Joe Pavelski isn't going to do this forever, playing the way he is. And he's not on the same line as Robertson. So at that point, you you kind of have to. You're not sticking your foot in your mouth, but it's like you gotta hope Jim Nill is stepping in there at some point. And it's just 
Like, this kid has to get signed. I mean, even if he's got to take a bridge deal, and then when Ben's contract comes off the books in two years, you just throw that money towards him if, if you feel like he needs to prove it. But the kid's definitely proved enough to the point where he's he earns the $7 million compared to what other guys are making. That are coming off their entry level contracts. And then you have Jake Ottinger. And he doesn't seem to be too worried. And he's even come out telling the NHL network, I'm very certain that both of us will get the job done before training camp so we can get the season going. At the end of the day, I know both of us want to be in Dallas for a long time. I'm not. I'm not, it's not something I'm too worried about. If he's not worried, that's fine. But if you're a fan, like, you gotta be somewhat panicking if this is not getting done. Like, under, I mean, I'm not saying throw the guy in the bag for what he did in the playoffs. I mean, arguably, shut the door on the flames to the point where he practically stood in his head and almost took the team to the second round. I mean, you can't go into the season with Scott Wedgwood as your starter. That's just not... That's just not what's going to happen. That's not how it's going to go. Hopefully you can get done. Uh, it's arguably your two best players. You have to get it done. And it's just the time for Dallas. I mean, they're, they're, they're a decent team. I mean, they made the playoffs despite having a negative goal differential. But, I mean, this is a team that's under a new coach at Pete DeBoer. And a team that can kind of come around and, and still stay in contention. I mean, they may not win the Central, but this is a team that has good young talent that you can build around for the future. And to, to just let that linger on is definitely sketchy and questionable. But hopefully, it can hopefully it can get done for Dallas and you know the fan base's sake. Because that's that's going to be tough if they can't get it done. But I believe those two are the present and the future of Dallas Stars hockey. And, and they make the Dallas Stars fun to watch despite being as boring as they were for the last couple of years. And just to wrap things up, I had a question come in from Facebook from a gentleman named Philip. And he was asking about... Damon Severson contract and not quite sure how to Um, David Severson is, is definitely going to stay with the Devils to start the year for sure. The longest tenured Devil, despite some of the mistakes he makes on the back end, David Severson is a very serviceable defenseman. Easily a top four defenseman, would be on any other team. 
draw with David Searson is now that you acquire John Marino, and he's locked in for five more years. So if you take John Marino, he can probably be the next, he can slide right up the net chart. And the reason why I say this is because you have Simone Nemich on the back end right around the corner. Same with Luke Hughes on the back end. And Nemich is a right shot defenseman, Luke Hughes is on the other side. So either way, someone's going to have to go missing. Graves eventually could probably end up moving. It's, it's going to be kind of iffy to see what happens with him. But in the regards to Severson, I think Severson definitely stays with the Devils. Depending on where they are at the deadline, my guess is that's when they'll figure out if they're going to keep or trade him. Because if they're in a contending spot, you're not going to trade him. Unless you have the utmost faith in Nemich coming in and performing well, which he very well might. It's not without a question. But I can't see the Devils trading him early on. Do you sign him? It, it really depends because you you have Nemich coming and Marino's locked in for five years. I mean, what are you going to have Nemich sit longer if he's ready or not? It's iffy. And again, I say, I think at the deadline, I think the Devils find a way. If they're just not a contending spot, they, they definitely trade him for assets. As for Tatar and Janssen, I'm sort of hoping Fabian Zetterlin comes in and takes Janssen's spot on the third line. That kid is a beast. That kid is awesome. That kid did so many little things towards the end of the year that you just, you, you enjoyed watching him. He did so many good things, and he, was, he had a nice little point streak going towards the end of the year. Coming in, and I'm, hope, I'm hoping he can come in and take that spot on the third line. And I'm hoping either both of them or one of them get moved. I'm not sure who. I would rather trade Janssen. I think he might have a little bit more value, given, like, given his, his age. But I'm hoping Zetter can come in his physical... Plays the puck well. I mean, the kid is just a beast, and I hope he gets his, his chance. And then you also have Miles Wood coming back, and I'm not sure what what line he'll be on, but he's also back. But my guess would be trading Johnson. That's my personal guess. And diving into the next question he asked. I mean, this is an awesome question. Very nice to reflect on. Thank you, Philip Grant, for asking very deep questions. How optimistic should Devils fans be? I can't speak for the fan base, but I can speak for myself. Um, I've been optimistic in the past based on, like, some of the off-season moves, but this season feels really different. This off-season, again, we can be deemed the winners, but an optimism just feels good. The optimism just isn't there. I, I think expectations are, are higher now. Fitzgerald really went in and made the right moves at you know all offseason. Um, sure, he whiffed on Kachuk, which wasn't really his fault. Sure, he whiffed on Gaudreau. Okay, Gaudreau just... The, the deal almost got done with Gaudreau. If you actually listen to Spit and Chip, it's interview with Goudreau, the deal almost got done and Columbus came in at the last minute. So again, you can't fault Fitzgerald for that, but he did bring in Plot, he brought in Marino, and he brought in Hall. 
and it's just he's he's fitting needs with the right players, and I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm not saying let's let's jump for joy, but at the same time, like, let's get excited. This is exciting stuff that that Fitzgerald's doing with this Devils team, and, and there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic and happy. For me, I'm not saying playoffs, but I'm a, I'm at least expecting a team to be more more competitive and at least be on the outside looking at or at least closer to a playoff spot. You can't you can't be in the basement after everything you just did. You just can't. It's just not possible. But for the fans, the fans should be very excited. The fans should be happy going in. Because not only do you have a team on the ice that could possibly be better, it's better coached and you have really good prospects coming up to be excited about. That's Luke Hughes, that's Simone Nemich, that's Alexander Holtz. Those are three immediate prospects that you should be excited about. The fans should be optimistic. Fans should be happy. Fans should be excited for the season to start. It should be ready to watch Devils hockey. It should be an exciting team, especially if everybody's healthy. A full healthy year of Hamilton, a full healthy year of Hughes. Let's get the rock rocking. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And that brings it to his next question. What are the expectations for Vanacek, Blackwood, and Pilat? So breaking down... Vanacek, you're just hoping to come in and maintain the level of play that he's displayed in, in uh, Washington. He's been he hasn't been bad in Washington. He hasn't been a lead by knowing, but he's been but he's been good. He's posted consistent save percentages above the league average, and he was sharing the net in a one A one B tandem. If Mackenzie Blackwood is healthy, he should maintain that form he had a couple seasons ago where you got that glimpse of, wow, Blackwood really is the future of this team in net. That has not been the case. But if he can at least be healthy and show he's healthy and get back to that level of play, the bar is set extremely low. I mean, it, the bar is low. The bar is on the ground for Devil's Gold. I mean, there, there's, it can't be any worse than what it was last year. Not a chance. No, not a snowball's chance or not. That, it, that it's as bad as it was last week. But if both goaltenders can at least come in and play average hockey and give the team a chance to win, that's the expectation. The expectation is for them to come in and give this team a chance to win. We're not expecting Igor Shosturkin level, Andre Vasilevsky level hockey. But we're definitely expecting better than it was last year. And last year it was bad. Every Devils fan knows that. As for Andre Palat, Andre Plot did not have a bad season. His point totals would have ranked fourth on the Devils last year, and he finished, I believe, top five on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's a star-studded squad. Uh, Plot can come in. He's going to provide leadership. He's going to get balance. Uh, Plot is one of the better, he's, he's one of the better two-way wingers in the league. Uh, and the guy's just going to come in and help mentor a young team. This is a guy that's won two Stanley Cups. He's been in the Cup Finals the last three years. I mean, that guy's grown up with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he, even made, he went to the Cup in 2015 when they unfortunately fell to the Chicago Blackhawks. And that was one of his younger days. That guy's 
been through it. He knows what it takes to win. He knows what it takes to, to be competitive and to mold a winning culture. And, and some other teams maybe didn't value that in the offseason, but for a young Devils team, that's value right there. Leadership. Someone who knows what it takes to win. Someone who knows how to build that winning culture. And, and sometimes that's what a young team needs. And it's going to go down to the top six. The Devils needed another scoring winger. It didn't have to be an elite superstar. I mean, Pallad is a very serviceable top six winger. And you'll have Hughes with Jesper Brad, and then you can slide Andre Pallad and Nico Fischer and Dawson Mercer. Or however you want to rotate it. Either way, like, Nico or Hughes is going to get to play with him. And he's, I'm not saying he's, he's the missing piece in the top six, but he's definitely a, a forward that the Devils really need in the top six. They need another scoring lane. And they have that. And I'd say anything under 40 points for Andre Kowal would be extremely underwhelming. I mean, the guy's in his 30s, but he's still playing good hockey. And he was clutch for lighting in the playoffs. It was unreal what he was doing for them. And if you can bring that clutch factor to the Devils, that would be huge. Absolutely huge. And it's a player that the Devils need. And I'm excited about him. I was pumped about the signing. I understand maybe the price tag. Some people might be like, ah, it's too much. But you know what? It's not when you need a guy like that. The guy provides other things. And if you got to bury him on, like, the third line or something in the final year or two of his contract, do it. Whatever. But you're going to get something out of him the first couple of years, for sure. And it's going to be exciting to see what he really brings to the Devils. Uh, coming into the season, I'm very excited. I mean, Andre Paul's a very good hockey player. And what happens to the front office? That is tough. Um, my take on things, and this is just a bold prediction, Philip, and the rest of you who are listening. Uh, Lindy Ruff, I think, I think Andrew Purnett is going to be his successor. I think if, if Lindy can't get this team in the right direction, I think a new voice will, will be it as Andrew Burnett. Thank you, Florida, for firing him. Uh, whatever. I mean, sure, he's a young, possibly inexperienced coach, but dude took the Panthers for the President's Trophy. And they still made it to the second round. Yeah, they, they lost to the Tampa Bay White. Okay. But I, I think that's what ends up happening. I think if it's not rough, it's going to end up being Burnett. As for the front office, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, you can't really fault Tom Fitzgerald for anything that he did. The guy's constantly tried. The guy has constantly tried to upgrade his team. Did he do it in the best way possible? Maybe not. He kind of, kind of pooped the bed a little bit by signing aging veterans to back up Black. I mean, it just, it wasn't his fault, it just ended poorly, and you can't necessarily fault him for that. The guy always tried, so this year he went ahead and went with a younger approach, and I think Vanacek is more of an insurance policy, so hopefully if Blackwood has a good year, 
it, it kind of solidifies things. I mean, he is going to be RFA. I'm not sure they quite cleaned house. I don't know if Fitzgerald is the one that gets the can. I'm not really 100% sure how much Brodor has a say in things up there. But in terms of drafting, the Devils have one of the best prospect pipelines. They just do. And I think you'll see that coming in, and it'll be really nice once all those guys come through the system. Hopefully things don't spiral downward in November, which is what Philip was getting at. Uh, it, it'll definitely be something to watch out for, I can tell you that much. Um, but overall, I mean, I think the Devils are in good shape. If they do make any changes to the front office, it'll probably be minor. I just can't see Fitzgerald getting the cam. The guy has done everything in his power to upgrade his team, and he wants to be competitive. The, the fan base wants him to be competitive. And I think he's at least tried to give the Devils every opportunity to do that. So to conclude this, I'm excited about the Devils. The fans should be excited about the Devils. And... I think the Devils are going to stack up really well in the Metropolitan Division. I know other teams added, but you know what? So do the New Jersey Devils. And it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, expectations are somewhat high because of all they added. Like, the team should, should definitely be better than what they finished this past year. But there's a lot to be excited about, present and future of this team. And I'm tremendously excited about this hockey club. I'm not going to have an episode out next week. I will be on vacation, but we will get back and we'll start diving into like some other stuff like X-Factors and expectations. Furthermore, for other players, like diving into some of some more of the roster expectations and breaking down a little bit of the team's schedule and some fun matchups along the way that could come. Like, what should we be excited for coming out of the gate? But that is everything for the Fire and Ice Podcast. I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy your holiday. Stay safe. Have fun. And take care, everybody.